Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, October 29, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 to 19. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, we're going to be in verses 17 to 19 this morning. And just to give you a little update of where we are, we are approaching the end of Hebrews. And I looked at our dates the other day, we've been in Hebrews for a little more than two years. Um, And so it's been really good. And I only see one more sermon coming out of Hebrews. And that, that won't be next week though. Because we're going to take the Lord's Supper, so I'm going to veer off and focus on the Lord's Supper next week. So the week after that, we will finish up the book of Hebrews. And uh, we don't have another book. We, we, as you know, we, we preach through books. But we're going to take a little bit of time for just a couple months to after the first of the year and do some topical sermons, maybe some psalms, not sure yet. Um, and then we'll decide as elders and uh, as where we're going to go next. But Hebrews... Chapter 13 today, we're going to be in verses 17 to 19. And I've titled the sermon, General Instructions for Leaders and for Followers in the Local Church. So it's a very different sermon than, than most of the doctrine that you're getting. And, and so it's, it's, it, it also turns very personal for me and also for you. So a bit different today than I think, than, than a lot of sermons. But General Instructions for leaders and followers in the local church. So let me read verses 17 and 19. This is the, the ESV, because there are some different translations for a couple words here. But verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of our, of our service, of our gathering together in our worship. As we come to Hebrews 13, 17 to 19, Father, we need your help today. Even as we prayed, we need you every hour. We need you every second. We pray that you would give us help this morning with these words as they get very personal to me and will get very personal to, to us as a congregation as we think about leaders and followers in the, in the context of the local church. Um, I pray that Jesus would increase, that I and that we would decrease. Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work here and just help us. Um, even, even through a sermon like this, that the gospel might also be preached as, as the power that allows us and, and, and helps us and enable, enables us to carry out these commands in the local church. So I give you this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon falls under the context from a few weeks back of, look over at chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. So that's the context. So how we treat one another in the local body, particularly leaders and, 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 and followers, the congregation of the, particularly with elders, um, and the congregation falls under the umbrella of acceptable worship. And so, um, one of the most important things of our worship is, what are our responsibilities from elders' perspective, from, from your perspective? Um, now, there are various types of church or polity and structure when it comes to you know, how churches are put together. As Baptists, we are congregational. So, we see the, the, the great God-given responsibility of the congregation. 
However, we also have elders and deacons, but elders particularly for this sermon, um, under the umbrella of congregational authority because God has given elders to lead. So as Baptists, we, we see it this way. Presbyterians, very, a little bit differently how they see they view their, their structure, all similar, but yet they put more emphasis upon their, their leaders in the overall authority. Um, you know, as, as, as Catholics and other churches, and they do it many different ways. But as Protestants, following the, the Reformed tradition, we, you know, as far as leadership in the church, we just see two offices, elders and deacons. Deacons serve the body so that the elders can preach and pray and do those things that, as, as shepherds and pastors that they need to do. Practically, again, I think our elders interchangeable with, with pastors. As Tommy always used to call me bishop, you stopped doing that many years ago. It's probably an okay word, but I don't, we don't particularly use that. I don't particularly like that for in this context. But as pastors or as elders, we lead the congregation. As shepherds lead their sheep, their flocks to good pasture, so shepherds um, of the church should do the same thing. As as a shepherd guards his flock from, from predators coming in, so should the elders of a local church guard the church. And uh, in this way, this is, this is leadership. And, and as we think about structures, you know, you might think, well, we do it this one way as Baptists. They do this way as Presbyterians. They do this way as, you know, different types of churches. These, these principles today are general so really, they will fit under any, any style or any, not say style, but any form of polity that a church has. These are general instu- instructions, and they are very helpful to us. And so, with that in mind, I have two parts to this sermon, okay? Just two parts. Notice, not lots of points, but two parts. First part are going to be instructions for the congregation, for those who are not elders, for um, the, for the flock, we might say from the Bible, from the people from w- sitting here today, what is your responsibility? That's the first part. We're going to talk through that a little bit. Not many applications there because we're going to hold off to the end. But then we're going to move to the elders, to me and to your elders, and look at what are the responsibilities of leaders in the local church. So let's begin. Instructions for followers. Now, whoever wrote this letter to the Hebrews, <clears throat> was one of their leaders. Um, if you look, well, if you'll remember from verse 7 of chapter 13, remember your leaders. Well, there he was talking about the leaders who had passed on, those who went before. But in this context, over here in verse <clears throat> 17, he's talking about those leaders who are living, those who are a part of the local congregation. And in these verses here, if we look, as I look through them, <clears throat> I see three commands for us, for followers. Three imperatives. Verse 17, look there with me. Two, two of the, the commands are there. Obey your leaders and then submit to them. And then look at verse 18. And then, here's the other command. Pray for your leaders. So obey, submit, pray for your leaders. This is a pretty simple formula. Um, and this is one way of describing what it means to, to follow, what it means to come under, in some way, God-given authority in the local church. And let me say from the outset that the context here is still all of us come under the authority of who? God. As elders, Jesus is our shepherd. We are all under the authority of God. And as elders, we are under the lordship of Christ, who is our shepherd. He is the head of the church. If some of you have made it to chapter 7 in home group, some of us have and some of us have not. But there's a story we we had last week from home group about the the Roman centurion from Luke 7. And he had a beloved servant. And, And this servant was sick and he was dying. And Jesus just happens to be moving along that way. And he decides to, when he sees this man, the people come up and say, this, this is a great man. We love him. He loves our nation. He's even helped 
take care of our temple or our synagogue, you know, expenses and things, please come. And so Jesus has compassion. If you, like I say, if you remember the story, so <clears throat> this man in great humility, who is a Roman centurion, comes to Jesus. And he says, as Jesus is making his way to this man's house, he doesn't wait on Jesus. He runs out and he says, Jesus, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just, Lord, say the word and let my servant be healed. For I am a man also of authority and under authority. And I say to one, go, and to the other, come. And so this man recognized the authority of Jesus. And then, do you remember what Jesus said about this man? This Gentile Roman centurion, he marveled at his faith. Now, all of us as creatures um, are under the authority of, of God. And when we think about just where we were born and what, what place we have and our jobs that we have and the things, all of us did not ask to be, none of us asked to be born, much less where, we, where would we be born. All of us are under the authority of God. And we are under the authority of, more specifically, practically, under the authority of God's Word. And in every local church, like Grace, there is God-given authority. And as we see it, again, the congregation has the authority. But the elders have been given authority to lead in the congregation, in this congregational context. And when we think about it from an elder's perspective, who are we leading? We're not leading other congregations, other people, other Christians. We've been given the task to lead right here. And the responsibility, according to these words, for those who follow, members specifically here at Grace, is to do what? What are the three, three commands? To obey, to submit, and to pray. And remember, again, our context is acceptable worship. So that's our acceptable worship. Now let's begin just thinking about these words for just a minute. The words obedience, obey, and submit. Obedience and submission. These words go together, I believe. And they give us two different perspectives on what it means to come under the authority of our leaders. The word obey is not the normal word used in the New Testament for obey, to come under the authority of. It's a completely different word um, although it's translated obey with the King James, with the New American Standard, and with the ESV. Um, but the root of this word, it, the closer, the, the better meaning is to put confidence in those who are over, your author, or over you in authority. In other words, there, there should be something about your leaders that you trust. And so something about them, you put confidence in them. And then... What do you do? What flows from that? It is obedience to what your elders or those who are leading you will ask you to do because you have confidence in their decisions. And in this way, all of us, but particularly the congregation, comes under the authority of those who lead and through submission, coming underneath. And in this scenario, um, I think from, from the perspective of the congregation, there is really a heartfelt desire to do, to, to, to obey and to submit to their leaders. I think a good, a good example is a good father. And I can only think of my, my own father. Um, I, I know as a child, you know, if your child Emily and the Jones kids, you're sitting over here, you just, and kids, you just obey your parents, Right? You just do it because they tell you to do it, and it, you better do it. Because to obey your parents is to do what is right, and that's what we do as, as children. But, it, but I think about my own life. As you get older, and you, <clears throat> your parents are, you know, you see where, where they go and what they do, and you start to see do they practice what they preach, um, and, and, they, and you move along. And I think back to my own life, and I think about my dad. He was not perfect, but he was the first to tell you he was not perfect. He was the first to say, to come to our, us as kids and say, I have, I have done wrong, I have sinned, and please forgive me, I don't want to do that anymore. And, and, and he, like I said, he was not perfect. He had great faults, 
But you know what? When I think about my father, and again, I'm only speaking about my father, and those of you out there maybe don't have very good fathers or didn't have good fathers, um, I'm thinking of a good father. So our example, of course, is, is the Bible. But in my own case, I knew that my father cared for me, that he loved me, and he had my best interest at heart, even with all of his faults. And I, I also knew that he tried his best to practice what he preached and that was a big deal and because of this in the end that was a recipe for trust I trusted him and also even when I did not like it I obeyed him because of these things I knew he loved me I knew he cared and I knew he had my best interest at heart and as I got older even if I disagreed and oftentimes as kids we will disagree but I can tell you, most of the time, your parents are right. But we disagree. But at the end of the day, if we trust our parents, we love our parents, we care for them, then we're going to obey them with a heart of submission because we have confidence. So it's, this is what I think this text is saying. Same kind of way, this is the healthy relationship that we see in the Bible of followers to leaders in the local church. As a church... We are the most healthy, any church is the most healthy when, <clears throat> when the congregation trusts their leaders, their elders. And because of, I would say, your trust in our own context and your confidence in us, you obey and submit to the things that we ask. Now, as elders, you know us. We've been doing this for many, many years. We've been together for 16 years. We had elders starting from probably two years in, with four elders, and later we had two. I think that uh, um, I, from my experience, I think that you guys have trusted us, and that's been, a, that's been a good thing. And I would say that in a local congregation, a body, this is probably the most important thing. If you go through our members class, you see all these decisions that we have to make, and oftentimes elders make decisions that you really don't know about until later. They have to be made quickly. But these kinds of decisions your elders help out with. And, and I, would, I would also say, I think, just looking back, um, thinking about how we've, we, we move very slowly with things. And, and sometimes you think, man, I wish our elders would just move a little bit quicker with stuff. And that, I, I get that. But we move very slowly. But when we do, when we do bring something out, some kind of change, which has been very little in our congregation, in our history at Grace, and I think we're going to have a couple changes coming up with a new year and our new members meet, and we'll talk about a couple things. But, the, you know, we do take it slowly. But when we do, we say, this is what we're thinking. This is what we believe God is, he, where he's leading us. Now, here's your time and here's your opportunity to come and talk to us as we think about that as a congregation. But at the end of, at the, end of the day, we are, you guys, local, the, the body is supposed to trust their leaders and this is in obedience and submission with great confidence. That's the first part here. And we can, we'll come back to some applications at the end. But the next command is pretty simple um, for the followers in relationship with their leaders is to pray for your leaders. Look at verse 18. It just says, pray for us. This probably refers more than, than the, to more than one person, one, more than one leader in that context than just the author. I think the context of Hebrews there as he speaks of a good conscience is that of godliness and faithful preaching of the gospel of Christ. I mean, that's kind of the context of what a healthy leader should be doing. But also in this same verse, there is a link to prayer. And the author's desire is to be with those believers. So he says, pray more earnestly that I might be restored to you. So in this command... We see both the, the, the content of prayer and then the love in the heart of the one who prays. And so in this command, this is very clear. So what does that look like here at Grace when you think about praying for your leaders? Well, I think the first thing that, just, that I think the Bible teaches us very clearly, even in this text, is that you pray for us that we would be faithful to the Word of God. Faithful to, to read it, to understand it, to apply it, to preach it, to teach it in everything that we do. 
And so that is what I hope and what you are praying for us as your elders, that we would continue to do that. Um, I, I think past this, I think that you should also pray for our hearts, and which is, goes even deeper. Because we can do everything right on the outside, but if you have elders whose hearts are not seeking to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their neighbor is themselves, then, then you've just got a big recipe for legalism, for sure. And so you should be praying that we hold on to the Word of God, um, and that and particularly we hold on to the gospel. As First Timothy tells us, you know, Paul tells Timothy, hold on to this gospel. We're not talking about that a lot today, but hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then pray for us that we would do that, that we would follow the Word, and that we would love God. I mean, just thinking personally, um, I'll just, just by way of confession, just seems recently for me, um, just, I don't know, just the, where I'm at in my walk as a, as a Christian. I think the elders might be with me with, on this as well. But the further we go along, the more we can just be faithful. But if we don't have a love for God and a love for Christ and a love for His Word, then things just, just burn out. And so I would plead with you and ask you guys to pray for your elders that our hearts would be affectionate, that we would love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because it, out of the, Jesus says, the, what comes from our heart makes its way out in all of our actions. Where, where your heart is, there your treasure is. And where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so pray for us as elders. That's what the text is saying. Again, I'll come back to this in application, but that's the first part of the sermon. Congregation. Now let's move to elders. Let's move to leaders. And this is going to get, get even more personal for me. Second part here, instruction for leaders. I've got a number of truths here. Um, six of them, and I'll work my way quickly through them um, when, you th when we think about our elders. So I've got six things here. First one is this, as elders, we keep watch over souls. Look at verse 17. The reason that we obey, you obey and submit to your elders is because your elders are watching over your souls. <laughs> I think about watching over something. Often, I, I like to go and study at Panera Bread and I drink way too much coffee. And I think, well, I'm leaving all this stuff sitting here. I've got to go to the bathroom. Well, you please watch my computer, I'll say to someone. I'll say, sure, we'll watch, watch your, you know, your computer. Um, or if you've been standing in line somewhere, and we used to do this in Russia when we lived in Russia. If you're standing in line and you've got to go to the bathroom or you've got to step out for something because the lines are so long, you might be there for hours. You'd often say, would you watch my place in line? Absolutely. I'm going to watch over your, you know, your place in line. Soon, pretty soon we're going to do some babysitting for some Lovely folks sitting right over here on this side. We're going to come and watch over your kids. And that's a big deal. You don't just ask anybody to watch over your kids. And so when we think about watching over, though, here's the task of the elder. We are to watch over your souls. So as pastors, we are not tasked with just watching over my computer or watching over, you know, someone's beloved children or whatever, we are tasked with watching over souls. And there's nothing so important as watching over the soul. And the soul is the very part, we might say, we could say, as humans, as creatures, that we are created in the image of God. According to the Bible, it is the soul that can be lost. Or gain. Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I think of Acts 20, verse 28. Paul meets with the elders, the leaders of the church at Ephesus, as he's heading back to Jerusalem. And these are his very last words, he says, to those elders. He says, <clears throat> this is Acts 20, 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, 
which he obtained with his own blood. I think of Peter's words to the pastors as well there. And he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Brothers and sisters, the church of Christ, the local body here this morning, the church is not a business where employers manage over or give oversight to their employees with with some type of profit. We are not a business at all. And sometimes the church tries to run like a, a business. And there are some overlaps in administration, but we are far from a business. The church is not a country club where its members pay money for the employees of the club to have a good experience. Church is not a, you know, a, a counseling group, per se, or a, a local AA or anything like that that just works merely to, to provide some counseling so they might get through and take care of their problems. The church is a place where pastors watch over souls. And just contemplating that this week, just, it, 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 it's just it's high, and it's beyond much of what I can give it. And so how this works itself out in the body as pastors watch over souls, um, how well we do this will determine the eternal state of both our souls as leaders and your souls of those who follow. And again, I'll come back to that in application. So as pastors, we watch over your souls too. As elders, pastors, we're accountable to God. Look at the end of verse 17. As those who will have to give an account to God. So here, the responsibility of leadership is taken to another level of accountability. As elders, we are accountable to the body of Christ. Of course, we're accountable to you. You're the ones that said you brought John on as your pastor many, many years ago. And we brought our elders on and you said we put our stamp upon them. Yes, these are our elders. These are our leaders. And we're accountable to you in that way. But we as elders are ultimately, ultimately accountable to who? We're accountable to God. The office of pastor is not like a job in the corporate world where the employable employee is accountable to his boss. We are accountable to God. So in our passage earlier from Acts 20, let me read some more verses there. Paul says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I think about that, I should be thinking, as Paul thinks, I don't even count my life as something that I value as precious to myself than to take what God has given me at grace and accountability to Him, but to shepherd and watch over your souls in such a way. Very convicting to me this week. Verse 28 He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock, talking to those elders, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. I think of the watchman from Ezekiel. I think it's chapter 3, but he says, God says to him, if you give the people my word and you warn them, then you will be a faithful watchman over souls. Use the word souls there back in Ezekiel. There there are two callings when we think about how you call your pastors, how we call our pastors. Two callings. The first is from God. I think that maybe goes back to a desire there in 1 Timothy 3. The second calling is from the congregation. As you look and you say, John or Jimmy or, or Scott or whoever your elders are, or Gil, who you look at their life and you go, there's something about them. There are some standards here. And we know that's qualifications for elders and, and deacons as well. First Timothy 3, Titus 1. But the most important calling is from God. This means that, that well, it means a lot. We, as elders, we are stewards, God's stewards, in this congregation to watch over your souls. And we will be held accountable and so that, that's, let me just say, that's, 
that's a high thought. To think that, you know, that God will hold me accountable and hold your elders, account, elders accountable to how well we watch over your souls. Um, there's more. Third thing we see in this passage here about leaders is that we serve with an attitude of joy. Look at the second part of verse 17. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. I think the, maybe the author is, um, he's away, so he's saying to your, your leaders you've got right now, let them do this. And he brings his way, his, himself back into the text a little bit later. But let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Have we ever groaned in an elders meeting? Jimmy says yes. I agree with Jimmy. We have grown in elders meetings. I like Mark Dever's words from Capitol Hill Baptist. He says, when it comes to being a pastor, he says something like this. This is my paraphrase. He says, no matter whether you serve a congregation of 5,000 or 50, you will say to God, God, that's enough. That's enough. And I, and I think that is, that is true. But brothers and sisters, when I look at my own sins and my own faults and my and my family knows them greatly. I've been living with them for all these years. It's hard enough. But as elders, we must also enter into your world as a shepherd over your souls. And as hard as it is, we must never complain or groan. Now, I, I, Jimmy says, he, he's right, we, we have grown. But I don't think that, well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? But... <laughs> Jimmy says his wife told him to underline that word so appreciate you paying such close attention Lori wow but we must not groan we must serve with joy or we're not being obedient to these words um, I think the meaning here is, is the context is really not serving under compulsion um, that's really the context. We're serving because God. We're serving because God has called us to serve. In other words, it's not something you just decide. Hey, this is a good job opportunity. This is what I'm going to do. No, it takes a calling from God, and it takes a heart and a love to be a pastor. And boy, I say these things, and I'm again so convicted. But we must do this. Um, and again, when if I were to ask our elders, have we? Do we serve with joy through the years? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we, we, we do groan and complain um, from our sinful hearts, and we ask the Lord to give us grace and help. But yes, I do believe that we have served not under compulsion, but with joy. And, and yes, it is messy. Um, you can look at your own lives. What's gone on this week and last week, the week before and last year, Lives are messy, and they're full of sin. And sometimes you might think, mine is messier than everybody else's. Probably not the case. All of us have mess in our lives. And it is messy being your pastor many ways. But, speaking for myself, I don't want to be anywhere else. You know, this is not, this is the place that, that God has called me, and this, I don't want to be anywhere else. And as bad and inefficient as I may be, and you guys know my faults, and I've said this often, love covers a multitude of John's sins because you guys love me. And you know, yeah, John missed it there. And John's distracted. And John's not the great counselor. Whatever, but I appreciate it for looking, overlooking my sins because I can say after 16 years, and I think with our elders, we can say you are our joy for sure. And if this turns out not to be the case, at some point in the future, then we need to re you need to rethink your elders, for sure. <clears throat> Fourth truth we see in this text about elders. As elders, we do not serve ourselves, but we serve you. We serve the body. Look at verse 17. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the context of watching over souls with joy... <clears throat> here's what he says let them do this with joy and not with groaning well why 
Because when the pastor groans about being a pastor and does not serve with joy, who's he thinking of? Himself. Not his followers. And he says, if that's the case, that would be no advantage to you. In other words, it is not an advantage to you as non-elders, as followers, to, to have elders that do not serve you over themselves. And so that's, that's a big task. To put it simply, the pastor does not serve himself. The pastor serves the sheep. Think of about just the shepherd, in, what you would think of a shepherd in the world who has physical buying sheep. And there they are as the shepherd. What if that shepherd were lazy? What if the shepherd fell asleep often? What if the shepherd doesn't lead those sheep to the more, maybe more difficult places where the grass is greener? Um, maybe he doesn't protect them. From predators. And I, I would say in all of those cases, uh, I've done all three of those when I look at my own heart and I look at my own actions through the years. And I think your elders would, would say, yeah, that's, that's the case. We've missed it at times. But at the end of the day, we must get better and better and better and become more non-selfish as we lead the body at grace. And so the elder, the pastor, leads the flock in such a way that he is not serving himself. Um, I think of Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Let me read those verses. I read them often, I know. Paul says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition. And this is not just to elders, this is to the body. But do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now here's what Jesus did. This is the gospel. And this is our example. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to hold on to or to, to be grasped. But he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant. That's the incarnation. God took on flesh. Taking the form of a servant. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to be served. But I came to serve and do what? Mark 10, 45. Uh, to give my life a ransom for many. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. That is the gospel. That is what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And if you are a Christian, it is because you have trusted in Christ. And you've believed on Him. And you know that His sacrifice on the cross was in your place. And God sent Him. And if you trust in Him, He takes your sin. He gives you His righteousness. The great exchange. And we are Christians. There is now no condemnation because Christ has taken your sins upon Himself. And so all of our sins are taken away. But in coming and doing that, what was His example? Did He think of Himself in heaven when He had all that glory? He took on flesh. That is the example for all of us, but particularly in this context of elders. Next truth. This is number five. As elders, we serve with integrity. Look at verse 18. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, doing, excuse me, desiring to act honorably in all things. So as elders, we must do our best to practice what we preach. And when we fail, what do we do? We repent, and we tell God, and we ask God for forgiveness, and we come to the congregation, and we say, we've missed it here and we ask for forgiveness so that we would do what? Then grow a little bit more in godliness. I have many faults. And y'all know my faults. You've been with me. Some of you who were with me before we ever came to grace know my faults. Greater. I have many sins. My family knows my sins. They know my weaknesses. When I read our covenant, 
which we'll probably read this next Sunday, but when, when I read our covenant, I go, oh, I failed there. I failed there. I failed there. I failed there. Your, I just want to say, your pastors are sinners, just as you are. None of us are any different in this regard. But as 1 Timothy 3 tells us, as elders, in a general way, we are, as you have considered us, above reproach. In other words, um, I think we have certain characteristics that are seen over time, and there is a, maybe a consistency of godliness, as we call our elders. Um, if not, we are not qualified. As my dad, again, bringing him back into the sermon, he's been gone two years now, but I keep bringing him back. He always said to me, and this was just a point of integrity, he says, John, only one person can do what? Take away your integrity. That, that's you. That's me. Only one person. This statement stands true to Scripture, I believe. So for some application on this truth, let me read 1 Timothy 4, if you go there with me. The elders are like, oh, I know that ver- those verses. We've read these verses more than any verses throughout the history of our meetings as elders. 1 Timothy 4, 11 to 16. Listen to these words. These, these are the commands of God to your elders, particularly concerning godliness, too, we're, we're, we're pointing out here. But he says, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 11. Command and teach these things. These are the things that he already spoke of, mostly the gospel and then how to work those things out in the local church. But command and teach these things. Let no one despise you of your youth, but set the believers an example. Here we get into godliness. Your pastors are to be your example. In what? In speech. In speech. Wow. Think about even this week how I have lost it in my speech thinking about things of life, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And and I'm just going to go ahead and preach to us elders first and foremost, guys, in our homes. This is where we are the elders, because our families know what we're about. They know what we're about. And so we must hit it in the home. And And so our Wives and our kids and our grandkids should see these things first. And then, it, hopefully, it just makes its way out in the congregation. He says, in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Till I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. I think about that. The, the, I, I'm just asking, you don't have to raise your hands or not, but have you seen progress in my life through 16 years in godliness? Or have I just been the same old John? I, I mean, I know that's a, kind of a trick question. I am the same old John. But have you seen it? I don't know. I, I, that's something I have to ask myself. Have you seen any growth in these ways? In your elders, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. So Paul's saying to Timothy, persist in these things, holding on to the gospel and godliness, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. These things are so important for us because as these things go with your elders, so it will go with the church. Leadership is so important. When, when I am long gone, when your other elders are gone, and you younger people are growing up, and you're making decisions here, if, God so, if the Lord tarries and God sees fit to have us here at Grace, then make sure that this happens when you call your elders and your leaders. So that's number five. Final one this morning. Number six in this passage. There's more, but I just got six. As elders, we serve with a particular affection of love. I've already hit this. I won't say much at all. But look at verse 19. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, you might say, where did he get that? Well, this man, this leader was apparently away from this congregation of people, the Hebrews there, Hebrew Christians, and he earnestly wanted to be with them. So he asked them to pray for him that he might be with them soon. The implication here is 
his affectionate love and desire for the congregation there. Pastors, elders, leaders love the people that God has given them. A leader in a church must always be motivated by love <clears throat> for those in his care. And so, with these things in mind, let me just end with some comments on application as we close this sermon out. I know this sermon's been a bit different than most of our sermons, and it's been very different for me because just thinking through these things this week's been very convicting, but it's been very good, and it's doing, the Word is doing what it's supposed to do. As you read the Word every week, no matter what you're reading, and you ask, God, these are the words of life, please help me as I read them, and then what happens, you read them and you're convicted. Or you read them, or you're encouraged. Or you read them and you say, I need to do this better. Or you, lead, you read them and you go, you know, I've been, just for example, with kids, you're, I've been disobedient to my parents. And you read the word or you hear the word from your parents and you go, it's wrong, I'm sorry. Or we've lost our temper with our spouse. And then you read the word and you go, oh, oh, we've, oh, we've been not so loving to someone else from our family, like our mother or our father or our grandparents. Strong convictions there. But that's what the Word is doing. That's what the Word has done to me this week. And it must be doing it in your lives as well. But here's some applications. Just short comments. First application. From my perspective, as an elder, what a responsibility. I think of all the churches out there who have pastors. And some of those pastors and many of those pastors have moved away from the Word. And moved to other things. And what happens in a lot of those churches? The people still follow those leaders. And then at some point, what happens? Then they lose the gospel. And then they lose godliness. And then they're just a church. But what a responsibility. If you as a congregation are sub obeying, submitting, and praying for your elders, leaders, and as leaders we're doing these things the best we can in faith and repentance, then that's a, that's a recipe for a healthy church. And so we must always consider what a responsibility all of us have that we might be healthy. Another comment, application. Just I, I urge you to pray for us. Please pray for your elders. God has designed that your prayers work together with the development of your elders. And even in the future, as we will call other elders, they go hand in hand. And so here's what I would ask you to pray for. First, pray that we would be faithful to God, that we would love Him, and that we would be faithful to His Word. Second, pray. Pray Pastor John and the other elders would be godly in all that we do. And then the third thing, pray for our affections. If our affections aren't for God and for His Son, the Lord Jesus, then we, we're going we're gonna to find other things for our affections to love. So pray for us. Another comment, application. Um, I, I think I've already mentioned this, but if these things break down from your perspective, obedience, submission, and praying for your elders, you know, if we as elders, leaders, do not constantly keep these principles before us, then we will become more and more like the world. And I think I've, I've mentioned that. But if these things, if we don't follow these things and they break down, that is where we will go. Um, let, me, let me give another application. This is one of the reasons that at Grace we've set really clear membership standards. Um, you know, we, <clears throat> we, those of you who are members know, you go through a class, it's quite extensive. And then there's, you know, uh, agreement with our confession, agreement with our covenant, and then the signing of the covenant. And then we have a one-month waiting period, and we have, a, you know, visits with the elders. And we take it very serious on the front end of membership because one reason, because as pastors, we need to know who the flock are. And as the flock, the flock needs to know who they're past, who they're under, who they come under in, a, in accountability. So that's one of the reasons we have very clear structure because you're not thinking about other elders we're not thinking about other followers other congregants <clears throat> and so that's one of the reasons we have clear membership standards at grace another application um, just generally 
as churches go, and even, even us, we don't have to agree on every little jot and tittle. But these principles that I've preached about today, they are, we must agree on these things. And they're general, but they're, but they're also specific enough. And so we must be able to agree. For, just to recap the sermon, as followers, we must understand and agree. We must obey and submit and pray. But as elders, as leaders, we must watch over your souls, be accountable to God, serve the body with an attitude of joy and love, and then be godly in front of you. And then final application. We cannot do this without the power of the gospel of Christ. We just can't. So if you are trying to do this on your own and you do not have the Holy Spirit, you will not, we will not succeed. It is the power of God that has kept us for 16 years and kept us from mostly joy and only a little bit of groaning and has kept us with hopefully growth in godliness and all of these things. And as, as you guys obey and submit and pray for us in, these, in this recipe, we cannot do this without the power of the gospel. So I would urge you today, as I always do, look unto Christ. When you hear this sermon and you say, man, that's a lot. When I think about this sermon, I think, wow, this is, again, just right at me and right at your elders. We cannot do this without the power of the gospel. So we must always be looking unto Christ, trusting Him, and asking Him for great grace to do these things. I hope this has been helpful. There's a lot more I could have said. But let's, uh, let's take this this week and let's go out and let's be bold and let's be more godly and let's hopefully grow a little bit in this area as we get ready for next week to take the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time. Very convicting words. This song that we sang, I Need Thee Every Hour, is so... It's, it's timely. But... We, we do need you every hour, every second to fulfill these commands given to us as elders and to the congregation. And I pray that you would just give us grace to do this. And again, give us grace to look unto Christ. If someone here is not a Christian, that they might look unto Christ today and, and be saved, even in a sermon like this. Um, but if we are in Christ, I pray that you would give us encouragement. I pray that, that you would convict us. And you would help us as we continue to be try to be faithful stewards here at the Church of Grace. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.